the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a pretty startling kind of thing, okay? If you're spending a lot of time reading content on LinkedIn, you're an ARC B person. Danny Five is alive! It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard! leopard, leopard. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Stedman. And all I want to do is get drunk and dance with girls. I'm John Hickman, and according to the recent Mid-Galactic Census, like every single person in the galaxy, I've got 2.4 legs and I own a hyena. And I'm Danny Smith, talking on the podcast in exactly the same way a brick doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're still working our way through the Gs, so let's crack straight on with some very important middlemen. The Golgofrincham Ark Fleet is a fictional fleet of ships invented to allow the inhabitants of Golgofrincham to rid themselves of an entire useless third of their population. John, how do you reckon a plan like this could have been hatched without people in the middle to pass the message along? Uh, so you, you've got in the uh, in the Ark model, you've obviously got your, your, your three ships, one of which is real and two of which never exist. And what you need to do is to make sure that the people who are going to get on Ark B think there's really a problem and that they really need to get on the boat and go and that the other ships are real and you need to tell people on arcs a and c that they're not going anywhere and that they're staying (laughs) so you you need to get some targeted segmented marketing messages out there um (laughs) and you need to do it in such a way that um this story will gain currency but will not get spoiled by anybody um so you're going to have to have better spoiler filters than we've got now uh, in in our mm-hmm. current society, that's that's one thing. Um, I wondered if one of the things that you could do is that you could uh, seed a lot of the information through LinkedIn, <laughs> because I think pretty much if you're spending a lot of time reading content on LinkedIn, you're an Arc B person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that raises the question of like, where is the where is the safe space where you can communicate with the A and C people? Um, if if A is the upper class people, I assume there's some sort of club that they're all going to. Um, uh, in fact, we found out in the news recently that there is definitely a club that they're going to, and it's not a club anyone should be at. Um, <laughs> um, and then the the the, the C group, um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Britain's Got Talent? Is that what they're watching? (laughs) I think that, well, because everybody's name is on a list anyway, they've obviously gone through the list and individually, um, you could just send them a text or an email because they're not going to pass it on because everybody hates these people. Middle management, the job of middle management is to make your job useful. If it means imposing new rules and new systems, then then uh, oh, that that's it that's what they will do i could i think that the the world's bureaucracy would happily happily move forward without the middle management if any middle management is listening as bill hicks said uh, it's just right you could send them all on a you could send them all on a seminar couldn't you uh, a yeah. webinar <laughs> or a training day where they're standing in the field with other people that are equally useless to society teaching them how to do rope courses or stand on boxes and build fucking towers yeah build the human for, pyramid for synergy or some shit i am I, I, you've got to forgive me at the moment i am so done with bureaucracy i've got a new job at the moment i have to do a lot of paperwork and the one bit of paperwork that i have to do uh, for no reason, as far as I can make out, is that I have to give a complete job history. Now, think mm-hmm. of every single job you've had, ever. You have to write that down with not only the year you had it, 
but the months that you had it and then explain any gaps in that. Would this go back as far as when my friend uh, Richard and I used to walk around the streets near his house when we were 14, knocking on people's door and literally saying, can we wash your car? <laughs> Maybe. Because I paid for a Game Boy with that, so that's a, that's viable. That's taxable income. <laughs> uh, potentially. I'm pretty sure that the people in middle management now have to type that shit up and give it a stamp and pass it to someone else whose job is equally as useless would be fucking happy that you did that. I am so sick of it. I, and... I had an interview today. It was called a um, it's called a safeguarding meeting. But what it was is we have to check your paperwork because don't we suspect that you're not taking this entirely seriously <laughs> meeting. Um, and she was like, right, let's go through this bit. I know you were dreading it. I was like, I wasn't dreading it. I just think it's pointless. And she was lovely. She she was lovely. But HR department, her job's probably pointless. Um, and she was, she was. She was like, uh, shall I put for that bit looking for work? No, you put in that bit that I wasn't working. The, the default state of a human being isn't working. It's living. It's breathing. It's, it's, it's respiring in the world, eating food for like energy. Like, don't assume that I have to apologize for not working. Uh, so yeah, that meeting went well. Um. <laughs> It's a short meeting. I'm going to admit, it's shorter than it should. She just said, leave all the paperwork there and I'll go through it. And I know that makes me the arsehole. Everyone listening, yes, that makes me the arsehole. But it's a level of bureaucracy that, uh, one, my dyslexia can't handle. And two, it's just pointless. Essentially, what they want to say is, have you been to prison? So it's clear that you've got some, you've got, you got names you want to put into the BR. Yeah, yeah, send them all off. I, 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 I will, I will pilot the BRC. I will pilot that thing into the fucking sun. I will gladly lay, lay down my life to make the universe <laughs> a better fucking thing. You would as well, because you like a bath. So you oh, definitely yeah, I love a the bath. BRC. Yeah. Uh, just as we were talking about the, 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 the management seminars and, and all these other things we could do, it suddenly struck me that I, I know who we can get mm-hmm. to make all this happen for us. Essentially, You've got to hide the truth of this in plain sight. You've got to select a group of people who are susceptible enough to uh, not see the truth when it's plainly in front of their nose. We need Darren Brown Mm. to come and pull this off. This is going to be the best Channel 4 special yet. Um, Unfortunately, the mid-ranking, tired TV executives are going away on the BR, so it might never see the light of day. (laughs) Now, do we know why he made the distinction of tired TV executives and not just... TV executives. I guess. I guess there's a period where you're hot, and then uh, yeah. then you're done. Um, so you know you can be the showrunner of Doctor Who for a bit, um, and then thank you very much, Mr. <laughs> Moffat. Here's a ship. Ah, now uh, let's just give a quick honourable mention to a seemingly inferior computer. The Googleplex Starthinker is a supercomputer from the seventh galaxy of light and ingenuity with the ability to calculate the trajectory of every single dust particle during a five-week Dangrabad beta sand blizzard. It was deemed by Deep Thought to be a mere pocket calculator in comparison. The the specifics of what um, that computer can do are really, really interesting. And it puts me in mind of like a piece of Pixar technology you know the way every you know the way every Pixar movie's got a different thing to showcase, and it's like this is our computer that can calculate all the sand. So now we're going to make the sandstorm film, and it's going to be it's going to be Pixar has some robots in a sandstorm, and every single <laughs> every single grain of sand is its own fucking character. So maybe the Googleplex Star Thinker was the render engine for Wally. Uh, and now I know there's something I should say, but 
I'm not too sure what it is. Guznar is a special Beetlejuicean word Ford Prefect uses when he knows he should say something but doesn't know what it should be. Danny, you already revealed your go-to answer uh, to a question that you're not not ready to commit to. Uh, but do you have a stock phrase for when you don't know what to say? Uh, yeah, okay, to, to catch John up. Um, last week I revealed that uh, my partner Caroline is getting very annoyed at me because uh, my standard answer to most questions is, yeah. Now, I think you, you imbued that with a little bit more, you leaned more towards the yes then, and I think it's because you, you sort of went, yeah. Whereas I think last week it was more of a, yeah. Well, here's, here's my argument, right? It's all in the inflection. If she's not picking up on inflection, then she's on some autistic shit. Because, like, I'm I'm really, really, like, inflecting here what, it's on what her, I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I actually don't say it when I'm not ready to commit to something. It's just kind of a knee-jerk thing uh, that I do now that I can make my partner's face go red, which is... <laughs> the, there is the nyar thing. Um, and I... I used to worry about this all the time because I've got dyslexia and um, part of it is not being able to hear phonics. So if I'm not looking at their face or if I'm in a busy club and there's lots of other sounds around, I can't hear a lot of what people say. Um, and I used to worry about that and I used to kind of give non-committal kind of <laughs> with a little what's up nod. Yeah. You know, you know, the little, you know, the little uh, upwards nod of the head yeah. and the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or the or the roll of the eyes, uh, and the <laughs> <laughs> what are they like? <laughs> no, whatever you're talking about, yeah. Um, but then I came upon this uncanny plan where I cultivated the sort of personality where it wasn't completely unusual for me to change the subject entirely. Oh yes, that sounds familiar. <laughs> So if somebody said something I didn't hear, I just started talking about someone else until I did hear it. <laughs> uh, to, to the listener that doesn't know me, everyone's laughing because that's actually a thing they've experienced, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things make sense. And now I'm too old to care. Now, yeah. now I'm too old to care. Like, I will make a person repeat something five times until they give up. <laughs> I, I don't I can't help it if I don't understand what you're saying. This actually won me a competition. Back when I was about seven or eight, um I was at Pontins and uh every every couple of weeks at Pontins they have a prince and princess uh no, they have a, a king and queen of the camp. So these are like normally like twenty year olds, thirty year olds that are essentially good looking and can talk into a microphone without stumbling over their words, and then it's voted on, and uh, they don't really give a parade, but um, I think it, they win a, a, another trip uh, later on in the year when it's a bit quieter. A essentially, where they um, they're, they're, there's the regional finals and it keeps on moving on. It's, oh. it's a good, it's a good way of getting people to coming back to the camp. Oh, but that's they, clever. But they also do a prince and princess competition. This is op open to the cute younger kids. Now, at six or seven, I was quite cute. Um, and my parents were really, and my whole family were really into uh, free holidays. So <laughs> uh, they dressed me up all smart and nice and they put me on stage. And um, it came to a bit where the woman was interviewing me. Um, and she was obviously from Wales. She was obviously a local girl because this was, I'm guessing, Southport. And I couldn't understand a fucking word she said. So for about four or five questions, I was like, what? 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 And she said, can you not hear me? And I said, 
I can hear you. I just can't understand your accent. <laughs> now, bear in mind, this is probably from a kid with a thick, brummy accent. accent at the time. Yeah. And I ended up winning Prince of Pontins <laughs> and getting a free holiday later on in the year just by being a cheeky little shit. <laughs> nice. Well, I hope you put this on the form at work because this sounds like employment. <laughs> Prince of Pontins, 1991, didn't play subsequently. <laughs> <laughs> reason yeah reason for leaving abdication come the glorious pontins revolution <laughs> escape to birmingham reason for reason reason for leaving developed republican tendencies <laughs> and now um i want to talk about grammar sorry the oh. <laughs> good noise <clears throat> The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is, it has been remarked before, often and accurately, a pretty startling kind of a thing. It is essentially, as the title implies, a guidebook. The problem is, or rather one of the problems, for there are many, a sizable portion of which are continually clogging up the civil, commercial and criminal courts in all areas of the galaxy, and especially, where possible, the more corrupt ones, this. The previous sentence makes sense. That is not the problem. This is. Change. Read it through again, and you'll get it. Whew, that's an extract from So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, which I remember reading and subsequently rereading as a younger man, uh, and it got me thinking about Adam's use of language and the playfulness he had, and I wondered if you guys had anything to add, any favourite Adamsisms and so on. Can you explain it to me? Yeah, can you explain the joke to me? Um, it, it, it's. I think it's the joke is that it is a sentence that makes sense. It's just got so many... Um, if you replaced some of the commas with parentheses, that's all he's doing. He's just going into sub uh, clauses and then quickly backing out of the sub clause and ending with this. Because I I do that all the time when I speak. I'll I'll speak in in brackets and then I'll forget. I'll, I'll close all the brackets off and then forget how I started the original sentence. Um, I think it's what Kevin Smith calls a pothole. Um, and uh, I, I he he sort of did that himself, but then just backed out of it very quickly. Uh, that that bit. Is, is one of the bits where you can tell that he was very used to writing speech mm. because um, your, your delivery was, was, was very good and was very kind kind to it. But even <laughs> then, someone who isn't as eloquent as you at speaking, um, it's, yeah, it's designed to be read out loud, isn't it? I suspect so. The cadences are. I still don't, I still don't get connection. I don't understand the connection between a badly constructed sentence and change or the universe. Yeah. There seems to be lots of... Lots of elements floating around. Yes. Is he saying the universe is badly constructed and that that is also the problem? Or no, I, that he's... he's is it that sentence changes a lot and that's a problem? No, the... Um, so, the problem with the guide is change. Right. And that sentence changes a lot? No, is I don't that? think there is a link no. between the change and the sentence. He's, he's, he's having a joke with the reader saying, that was a difficult sentence. I've told you there's a problem. The problem is not with the sentence. The problem's with the thing I'm trying to tell you about, but I've got bogged down by being oh, clever. Oh, okay. I think I think that's the joke. Okay. So so what's the problem? Um read it again, <laughs> read it through again and you'll get it. Okay. And and it's change. <laughs> no, that's it's change now. It's a different problem. This sentence does do one of the things um that Adams does well. And um he he has a wonderful left hook in writing. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he finishes a sentence really quickly and hit hits you out of nowhere with it. Yes. That's so, a really um, nice way of describing it, Danny. That's that's lovely. It is. It's the brick stone. It's it's that. It's it's it uh, hanging. Yeah, exactly. the Vogan ship hung in the air in exactly the way the brick doesn't. Yeah, that sentence has a rhythm that ends two or three words longer than that. Yes. I, so I remember um, listening to a podcast, and there was an ad read for Audible, and one of the books that was recommended was the the first hitchhiker's guide and uh, there was this this explanation or this you know description so the the excerpt that he used was was Stephen Fry reading out that bit and then the the guy doing the ad read said i never got that and it's like well there's sort of nothing to get it's a funny sentence it's you, if if you sort of i don't i don't really get how you don't get it because there's sort of nothing to get I would I would say that Douglas Adams has read people like P.G. Woodhouse, not necessarily because there's like massive strong influences, but there is a love of language and rhythm in his work um, that definitely has a parallel. Yeah, and there's there's subtle choices of words and and subtle um, juxtapositions as well. Like there's there's a, a discussion about family and. Um, relationships and things and and it kind of it get it goes quite broad and quite expansive and talks about the universe and then it brings it back very quickly when um the the narrator i think this may only have been in the radio the original radio series it brings it all back very quickly when the narrator says well this is all academic um arthur dent's brother once being nibbled to death by an akarpi and it's just a yeah. throwaway line, but the, the use of, you know, words like nibble and, and things that are very, you know, very understandable. But, you know, it's, it's that kind of going from the it's, it's almost like we, we keep coming back to the idea of scale and playing with yeah. this big concept and then suddenly bringing it right back down to nibble to death by an akarpi and, and doing the same thing that you're describing, Danny, with, the, with that sort of left hook uh, of a sentence. I was just about to say the thing about scale, and also let's let's not forget that he is really great at observing. Like he he is a, like um, if he was born like ten years later, he'd be one of those stand up comedians that was like, "Have you ever noticed?" Um, but he'd be good at it because yeah, <laughs> because he's 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 wonderful at observation. Uh, the Book of Lith. Mm is essentially just a book of stand-up comedy routines. Like, if if you wanted to take each entry, you could do a good, bad 90s comedian five minutes on every single one of them. Yeah, there's an, there's an Edinburgh show there, definitely. Yeah. Because it's got that neat conceit. Yes. that would That's what would make it something that would go on the fringe. Yes. I'm not going to do it, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had my moment of glory as a little prince back in... Uh, <laughs> Back in the eighties, I was a prince, don't you know? Danny Smith, I hadn't heard that name in years. Prince of all of Pontins. <laughs> I, I think the real problem, uh, not the problem with the thing, with it, I think the reason why I don't get it is there's a shift of focus for narrator. Yep. So, yes. so it goes from somebody talking about the universe in universe God, yes. third person, to writer saying, "Okay, that previous sentence makes sense," but. Uh, so I think that's the shift. It, yeah, you're absolutely because when right. you explain when you explained that the previous sentence makes sense, that's not the problem. This is mm-hmm. read it again through and you'll get it. Is the writer talking to the audience? Yes, it, it, it's almost a fourth wall break. Yeah, um, then that makes sense, and that's it's quite nice. Mm-hmm. It's just that's not communicated. No, and and 
he doesn't do it often enough for that to become the voice of the narrate, like the the voice that we're used to reading it in. Can I also add the caveat to anyone listening? I love Douglas Adams' writing; it influenced me hugely. It's just this particular passage is a bit shonky for me. That would be a great Trump sentence. Oh God, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is. As has been remarked before, often and accurately, a pretty startling kind of thing, okay? <laughs> it is essentially, <laughs> as the title implies, a guidebook, okay? The problem is, or rather, one of the problems, for there are many, a sizable portion of which are continually <laughs> clogging up the civil, commercial, and criminal courts. We've got the best criminal courts in all of the uh, all other areas of the galaxy and in the United States, and especially where possible, the more corrupt ones. This. Sad. Sad. Does anybody find it depressing that we live in the sort of democracies where occasionally we have to give dickheads a go to show that they can't do it? It's like, this is what happens if we let you in charge. <laughs> Everything fucking sucks for a while and you get really cross. Yeah, but they're making America great again. And, and then you only need like a moderately non-shithead to look amazing. And now we circle back to Golga Frincham. The great circling poets of Arium used to live in a remote mountain pass where they would lie in wait for small bands of unwary travellers, circle round them and throw rocks at them. It was one of their descendants who invented the spurious tales of impending doom which enabled the people of Golgofrincham to rid themselves of an entire useless third of their population. John, how do you think Golgofrincham poetry compares to Vogon poetry? Well, I think there might be... Um, three very distinct types of poetry that map to the to the arcs actually um, so there's definitely going to be some bad poetry in, in the B arc that's because we know that that's where, where, the, where the useless people go the the, 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 the the C arc which obviously doesn't exist but people have been organised into that that's, that's the makers, that's the builders yeah so that's going to be like a working class tradition so that's where you're going to have that's, your John Cooper that's where you're going to have your, your, kind of your, your folk stories um, mm-hmm. And then you're going to have highfalutin court poetry up in uh, up in up in up in the A group. So um, I, I don't think you can generalise it out. I, I reckon there's going to be a lot of self-published anthologies in Arc B. Uh, <laughs> oh God, that would keep me in a career at um, Amazon doing all the audiobooks. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> oh God, Cont- controversial opinion. Oh please, I. I'd rather listen to B arc poetry than high A oh, yeah. arc poetry. I'd rather listen to like the self-published poetry slam every week at the coffee shop than uh, your Oxbridge uh, Don musing on a. On a you see, on, I don't. I don't think they're going to be as artful as that, though. I think your. Um, I think your your actual poetry slam stuff is probably going to be edging into into arc A. People who've actually mm. got something about them. Oh my god. No, be art po- poetry is that one that always rhymes and appears in <laughs> yeah, like, it's greeting cards and, and uh, appears in Women's Weekly. <laughs> so, I was so moved about Brexit, I wrote a poem. <laughs> uh, so we are we saying Pamers is in the art? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's decided. Oh. I mean, the- Farage is a man that's always cross. <laughs> the other side is at a loss. Oh my god, just just kill me. I was told about the mutant star goat, so I got in a giant boat. The captain had a rubber duck. We crash landed. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that 
that joke where you don't, where you're expecting a swear yeah. in the rhyme, but they don't. Oh my god, that is so. Danny, big I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble with you because uh, I had that as my. I, I used that motif throughout my entire best man speech. Um, I I couldn't give it a, like a, a heartfelt speech because any time I do express any real emotion, I start crying. Um, so I had to write a joke poem and I delivered it and that was the entire motif and I'm going on the B-Arc! Mate, mate, no, 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 you were writing for an audience. That, that, was, that, was, that was professional. That was professional stuff. I'm not going to lie, it slayed. Yeah, it <laughs> So, um... How come when people how come when people do them poems that people that listen to it some people are like I don't know how they the words they're so clever imagination how the imagination do, how oh, how do they do it the words wrong motherfucker you know words that rhyme it's you can look them up you can type word and then rhyme into Google. <laughs> So I just want to um, I just want to kind of mm. circle back through this, which is a uh, you know one of my many tropes on this show is <laughs> is to unpick your question after having given you an answer. Um, <laughs> so the the Golgothians are the descendants of the great circling poets. So there's not necessarily a line of poetry that runs down into that into that society in the same way that. Um, we don't, or at least you and I don't, Danny might do this. We don't like get naked, oil up and wrestle with bulls in uh, live theatres of entertainment uh, just before the gladiators come on anymore. So only on a Saturday, uh, you know, but th- there are, there are art forms that, that come, that come and go as we, as we just, you know, descend through things. So the Goggle Frenchians might not have a lot of poetry in their soul, which might be why they're such nasty, cynical bastards. So, so do you, do you think Mark that it's de facto that there would be poetry left in Goggle I mean, there's poetry in any society, but whether it would be of the same calibre is is absolutely up for debate. And, and on that, I take your point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- there's got to be poetry because that just seems to be something that the soul yearns for, for whatever fucking reason. But um, it probably wouldn't be of the same, yeah, of the same class of, of uh, as the great circling poets of well, Arian. Where do, we, where do we know that they're poets? Because we know they throw things at people. <laughs> Did they do a rhyme while they were doing it? Um, they would tell long stories, right. so uh, I'm guessing that they were the kind of poets what didn't rhyme. So I mean, that kind of explains in a way how they can pull off this wonderful um, con because they can spin. Mm. They can spin a yarn. Yes, yeah, exactly. It was it was a descendant of one of those poems of one of those poems of one of those poets who came up with with the whole idea. So yeah, there, there must be um, among a certain class of person. Uh, a, a, a certain Golgothian, there must be this sort of the 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 soul of a poet, the the storyteller, the yarn spinner that is uh, that's able to. I, I love I love the idea of uh, a person a, a poet that doesn't want to please people, mm. like because there's something so needy about poetry, isn't there? It's like, do you like that? Mm-hmm. Do you like my rhymes? Do you do you like the way I used metaphor? Was it clever? Like, do you like that? And, and like the circling poets of Arium are like, uh, oh yeah, you like that? Stitch that on the way home, fucker! Like I, I, love, I, I like the idea of poets that don't give a fuck because they're gonna stone you to death. <laughs> In Birmingham, there was a poetry meetup uh, above the old mo, um, w- which 
where they were basically kind of thug poets mm. um, trying to set up like a street gang, like football casuals, but with poetry. Uh, so Dirty Bristow, in response, set up a prose crew. <laughs> this is uh, Dirty Bristow, uh, Danny and uh, John Bounds's uh, erstwhile magazine. Uh, yeah, so we, we printed like um, badly, badly offset, uh, badly printed uh, calling cards, <laughs> like blank... Uh, <laughs> and left them whenever we saw like one of their one of their stickers around like poetry casuals we'd leave one of the uh, like you've been visited by the pros crew <laughs> pros crew <laughs> and now let's take another quick break to acknowledge a computer the great hyperlobic omnicognate neutron wrangler of Ciceronius 12, the magic and indefatigable, could talk all four legs off an Arcturan megadonkey, but only deep thought could persuade it to go for a walk afterwards. I have nothing to add here, so unless there's any objections, let's all go and have a look at a dead bird. In Mostly Harmless, we learn of the greater drubbered windwalk of Stegbartle Major in the constellation Fraz, which is extinct. According to the internet, there is a photo on Flickr of a greater drubbered windwalk. Danny, can you help me determine whether this is a Photoshop job or just a photo of a different bird? Is, is it the one that's mostly blurry in the background, but on the right-hand side there is a green and, and thing with a, with a bendy that's thing? Um, yeah, that's not Photoshop. Okay, that's a crazy bird. That's, that's just not a bird. <laughs> ah, there you go. That's, that's, that's a leaf with one end of it has already decayed. Uh, did, did you think it was a bird? No, I didn't know what it was because no bird that I can ever uh, imagine has a beak that works like that. Um, but I was, oh, it, it does look like a bird. Yeah, fucking yes. Okay, no, I, was, I've only just I've only just noticed that it, it looks like a bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I was going. But so, 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 Danny, your pattern recognition literally just went dead leaf, and you've only just clocked that it looks a bit like a bird. Is that right? It's like, it's like it's like the the old woman young woman optical illusion. Do you know the Rorschach test with the ink blots? Yeah. Do you know why that is a thing? No. One of the uh, one really big indicator of somebody that is or has uh, sociopathic or psychopathic tendencies is that they have a trouble um, projecting or imagining things. Right. So uh, the Rorschach test is essentially when you show someone an ink blot and go, "What do you see?" and they go. Well, it's an ink blot. What are you talking about? Right. There's probably some sort of empathy error that's going on there. They're, they're not projecting themselves into any sort of state of mind that could be other than ink blot. I feel that I've just failed a Rorschach test. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you did is you did the end of short circuit where there is a similar thing that happens where a, 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 a spillage of coffee um uh, ends up on a, a piece of A4 paper and gets handed to the robot and he says, it's a stain. And then he says, but it resembles a butterfly. And you've just done the very same thing. So you've, you've revealed your underlying humanity. Danny Five is alive. <laughs> also, Danny's literally been sent to this to decode it to, to you. So um, he's been sent to it with you problematizing the fact that it isn't what it is. So <laughs> he's been looking for something that isn't what you've told him it is on purpose. So you haven't really given him a fair go. That previous sentence makes sense. Listen to it again and, and you'll get it. Change. And that's just about it for another show. Thanks so much for listening. You can find Danny on Twitter at Probably Drunk. John is at John Hickman. And I am at I am Stedman. You can find links to everything we've talked about and all of our past episodes at btlpodcast.com. 
So until next week, share and enjoy. Douglas Adam sucks. If you've got a problem with that, get in contact with us at Beware of the Leopard. I mean, just at Beware of the Leopard. <laughs> just, just there. <laughs> just at the name of the podcast. Well, that's not any kind of internet communication means at all. <laughs> well, at, that's something. I think it's quite big Yeah, one. but that's that's not our Twitter handle. <laughs> What's that Twitter handle? BTL podcast, like the website. All right. It's all right. All right.